0: I'm Michael Laurie, and you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup.
1: Hello and welcome to the Ulster Rugby Roundup's World Cup special, brought to you in association with Remus Uomo, Victoria Square Belfast, and Stockus Nationwide. Ireland's World Cup quarter against New Zealand is almost upon us. So, joining us on the line from Tokyo is Jonathan Bradley. Jonathan, how are things in Japan? The good guys good. How are good. All good, all good back here, back at the ranch. Just eagerly anticipating the, the kickoff tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening for yourself obviously. So we're we're under now twenty four hours until kickoff in Tokyo. You're just out of the captain's run. So what's the latest update on how the mood is in the Ireland camp?
0: Well we didn't get the Ireland camp per se, we got Johnny Sexton because Ireland are so far away from where the stadium is out in Disneyland. That it was thought,
1: <laughs> Which is amazing in um, itself that Ireland are literally yeah, staying in Disneyland.
0: Yeah, it's been, it's been a weird week. But it was thought more prudent for the Ireland team to stay back at base. But Johnny Sexton has obviously his pre-game routine of kicking in the stadium the day before. He didn't want to mess with that before quarterfinal. So he actually got the, bus, the team bus over to Tokyo Stadium, did his kicking practice, did a spot of
1: media and then headed back by himself as well. Lovely, fantastic—the life of uh, of Johnny Saxton. Nobody cares about the carbon
0: footprint here at all. That's what I'm (laughs) taking away from this work. It is like everything here is individually right, like you buy a bottle of water and they're trying to put it in a plastic bag for you it's, uh, it's become a huge concern of mine over the past five weeks
1: <laughs> What did Johnny Saxon have to say then with the game just a day away? Yeah there's very few players that you'd want to hear from twice in a
0: week about the same game but Johnny Saxon's probably an exception to the rule because he always speaks so well talking about their confidence talking about really the last time the All Blacks beat Ireland and how he doesn't think Ireland are in a position to be sort of physically bullied in that way anymore and sort of going back to the idea that basically an awful lot of the laws about high hits changed after that game and now an awful lot of those would have been red cards. Now you can argue that that was coming anyway and really the referee in the day, whatever that was three years ago, should have done a better job. Talking about um, himself and Conor Murray and they're still hoping to be around for a few years yet. Even though, you know, Johnny's thirty four, Murray's thirty. So obviously it was pitching them that it could be their last World Cup together. Mm-hmm. They'll be Ireland's most capped halfback pairing on Saturday, taking over obviously Ronald Garr and Peter Stringer. So mm-hmm. didn't want to get into any sort of retrospective. And the same as Roy Best and Joe Schmidt. You know, he was asked about Joe Schmidt obviously this is possibly his last game and Sexton didn't want to entertain that first because he said he gets enough stick already for um, his close relationship with his coach for the last decade but mm-hmm. also yeah. the fact that they really want to be doing this in two weeks time and seeing with Rory Best you know
1: mm-hmm. well we have spoken then in previous weeks about sort of things we can read into the Ireland press conferences how the mood seems how preparations are going and just little things that they've sort of let slip where they might feel that they're not exactly full throttle what has the feeling been been for you in this week's press conferences
0: so I think it's a really good question It's um, Whenever you were Doing games in the sort of Middle of the tournament there was a definite Sort of almost narkiness I guess about the way things Were being perceived there was also After the Russia game where Their perception of the game felt so detached From certainly my perception of the game And I think most people at home's perception of the game Having got the Mickey Mouse monorail out to Disneyland for um, Interviews with Keith Earls, Ian Henderson, Conor Murray, Rory Best. Everyone's sort of been very on the same message of past quarterfinals don't mean anything, and all the things you would expect them to say. But just mm-hmm. there's a real sort of everybody's talking about the togetherness in the group, the mind of work that they're doing in sort of mini units. You know, Keith Earls was talking about how he's. It was put in that he's become a mentor for the back three it's hugely experienced figure playing with the likes of Jacob Stockdale Jordan Armour, and mm. you know talking about how he, they seem very focused in a week when it would have been easy to sort of get distracted by the hype or <laughs> distracted by Mickey Mouse basically because <laughs> like I don't want to bang on it too, too much but their hotel and where it is does have to be seen to be believed it's just a very strange place
1: why are they staying in Disneyland yeah. because yeah.
0: it's near to a very high quality training centre everybody in their first choice their second choice and their third choice before the tournament starts and then depending on where you finish depends on what choice you get so Ireland wants to be in the centre of Tokyo I think where Japan are yeah. but because they finished second they ended up out in Disneyland if they win I don't know whether they'll uh, stay out there or not I think we probably all went to the well one too many times when it comes to puns so it will probably be better <laughs> for everyone if they do move if they were to win like but um,
1: yeah
0: probably getting ahead of ourselves here.
1: let's talk a I'm little fact, actually. yeah absolutely always time for, for some facts sorry I
0: say fact it might not be a fact i have no way of proving if this is true or not (laughs) disneyland castle in california and the disneyland castle in paris are based upon the castle in sleeping beauty the japanese and their notorious work ethic they felt more aligned to cinderella so they have cinderella's castle in tokyo disneyland
1: so the ireland team the main talking point obviously was that rob carney was given the nod and Probably, I know we had sort of talked in the build-up I wouldn't be surprised to see Jordan, Jordan Larmour given the nod, but whenever it came down to it and the squad was being announced, you know, I was off but I was looking it up, in my heart of hearts I knew it was going to be Rob Carney there because that's what Joe does. is not like he just he sticks with what he knows. Now that we've got the team, is it the right decision to go with that experience, to go with that uh, maybe defensive stability?
0: It's an interesting contrast, and we were talking about this uh, between ourselves off air earlier. And like the contrast between what Ireland have done in terms of their team selection compared to the All Blacks who yeah. left out Ben Smith, left Sonny Bill on the bench, left out Rico Aaroni, uh, Ryan Crotty. Whereas genuinely, this is Joe Schmidt's Ireland team. There's no, no surprise to you yeah. whatsoever. If you take the 2018 Grand Slam decider in Twickenham, this is that team plus Henshaw, who was injured for Aki. Yeah. and Josh Faddle player coming in for Dan Levy now the form hasn't the- nobody wanted but everything that this cycle has been geared towards has essentially fitness wise been intact coming into this World Cup with the exception of Dan Levy here No, there's no excuses for Ireland this time you know this is their team it's tried trusted it's what Joe Schmidt wants there's no like five injuries the week before like you had before Argentina like if they don't get through. It's purely because they haven't been good enough.
1: It was interesting hearing Joe's reasoning for selecting O'Mahony rather than Reese Roddick. Um, um, Reece
0: Roddick or rather than Jordy Murphy or rather than John Klein. Like, if you were listening to me yesterday about his selection calls, pretty much... Everyone in the thirty-three or everyone in the thirty-one that wasn't playing was unlucky to miss out, and a few players back at home were unlucky to miss out. He uh, ran through nearly everyone when he was asked about his top selection calls. <laughs> yeah.
1: The New Zealand team, then, as you say, was well. I don't know surprising is the right word, but. Were you surprised when you looked at that New Zealand team? It's
0: a team that I thought they would have named. I was, sorry, I would have expected uh, Dean Cole's in there, but apparently mm. he's been carrying an injury. Mm. Other than that, is what I expected. Like Leonard Bryan played really well in the pool stages, so I thought he was going to play Gucci. Who, while in possession of the worst haircut at the World Cup, has been somebody that they put a lot of faith into recently. Coming into the tournament, George Bridge and Reese were their wingers, and they've invested so much time and they're Richie Mauunga at ten and. And to 15 thing that I think it's not the safe option, if that makes sense. So, yeah. like, it wasn't a surprise to me, but for instance, if Ireland had have done likewise, <laughs> it wouldn't have been a huge surprise because it's just so out of character what we've seen, but. Like the All Blacks are They're going to roll the dice Like,
1: And is this in character For Steve Hansen? If you look at How they reacted To the 2018
0: Which wasn't To their standards They have shown A real willingness To shake things up Not that long ago There we go Ione was coming in And displacing More experienced players And now At whatever age he is 22 or whatever He's been displaced By even less Experienced players You know um, There's such a pressure For the All Blacks what, Once they get the shirt To keep it Because there's so many Good players coming through What we see in the last World Cup, where they had such a settled group of historically good players, was always coming to an end in this cycle just because of the edge profile. This is the team that two weeks ago I would have predicted for mm-hmm. the quarterfinal, as I say, with the exception of uh, Coles. Mm-hmm. And even a month ago, it would be pretty similar, though, admittedly, a month ago I probably would add Ryan Crotty in there too, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting just to note Steve Hansen's where he spoke about Jordy Barrett's place on the bench and his ability to, to kick from range to score drop kicks from the halfway line kick penalties from, from his own half he's maybe expecting to be, to be needing that late in the game so if uh, if that comes off we're in for a, a real cracker but moving on from the teams, then obviously Rob Herring has, has flown out in recent days to go and join the squad which look if things go the way the bookies and most people are expecting it to go he'll be turning making an about turn very quickly when he gets there obviously he's not involved to go through the warm
0: up in the stadium and mm-hmm. do be a part of the World Cup even though Ireland are going to have to win and then he would have to displace Man- this and the team to uh, see any match time at this stage but
1: been off been long way to go if he's coming back on Monday Tuesday like wouldn't it? <laughs> it? certainly would. Mainly I'm just
0: hoping for me at this stage
1: but um, <laughs> I understand that other people aren't like that. Obviously every game now is potentially Rory Best final game. Uh, he was obviously asked about that uh, at, at length yesterday in the press conference but he says yeah, he's I just really like... appreciated my question on that so he did. <laughs> I can well imagine. He obviously <laughs> says he's just he's not thinking about it and uh, probably the game that that it is you would believe it although maybe when his, when his head touches the pillow tonight he might have a little think that this could be his last time going to bed to prepare for a game he probably he did get a bit
0: caught up in it with Ulster and the Six Nations and he's admitted to that, that it's almost created too much of an uh, emotional rollercoaster of these ups and downs of thinking that this was the last time he was going to do something so I genuinely do believe him when he says that he's not thinking about it yeah. and in a way the World Cup's the best arena to do this in because mm. like, you know, if you think back to the likes of Keith Wood, right, Keith Wood just such a huge figure in Irish rugby, right, the fact that he was retiring, when, you know, whenever Ireland got knocked out in that tournament, like, it, it gets lost a wee bit. I suppose the World Cup is bigger than any one player. Yeah. Even something annual like the Six Nations, as important as the Six Nations is and as huge it is, as it is, even with Brian O'Driscoll's farewell, it didn't feel like that, you know? It still felt like that game was Brian O'Driscoll's last game in an Ireland rugby shirt, and it worked out brilliantly that they won the Six Nations. The World Cup's such a huge beast. Individual plot lines, I do think, get a little bit lost. Like Joe Schmidt's mm-hmm. the most successful Ireland coach of all time. I'm could be his last game in coaching, we don't know. Like you talk about Roy Best being thirty-seven years old. This is up there with the very biggest games he's ever played. Quite possibly the biggest game he's ever played. I don't think that's too much of a stretch. So you are almost, I think, I say authoritatively having never been in the position myself, to be able to put it to the inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Is thank you for that insight, using your your vast yeah. experience of the <laughs> the situation, Um Yeah,
0: you can tell I've been away from home for too long at this stage. I just, uh, just think I'm just uh, starting to ramble. <laughs> You're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundups World Cup Special, brought to you in association with RIMASU, Victoria Square, Belfast, and Stockers Nationwide.
1: Jacob Stock deal with. I was saying the earlier off-air again that I meant to ask you after the last game but we cast our mind back to when the podcast started and every week we laughed because Jacob Stockdale was at the centre of every podcast whether it was to do with Ulster whether it was to do with Ireland Jacob Stockdale was the story we've barely mentioned him at this World Cup because he's, he barely had the ball in his hands Make- it's just the
0: nature of being a wing you know sometimes I'm sure Jacob would say himself like some of the tries that he's got he's not had to do an awful lot for and some weeks you get them and other weeks you know you're in the same position but the pass doesn't come or pass isn't quite good enough it doesn't go to hand like all wingers will have this sort of experience I guess but you know we're talking about a drought for Jacob Stockdale and essentially he hasn't scored in three games and the game before you know the game before that started he scored twice so it's not like we're anything at any great length here it is I suppose somewhat enlightening if you want to go into it the fact that Ireland has scored 18 tries at this tournament and four of them have been from the mall. four of them have been off the top of line lineouts, and three of them have been off scrums. So mm-hmm. the set piece is generating a huge proportion of Ireland's scores at this tournament. If the strike moves off those set pieces aren't golfy, then it's going to be difficult for you to get into the ball, onto the ball. The way that Ireland are playing is the way that they're playing. Ireland at their best requires the top five, probably even eight forwards, to have really good games and dominate the tight exchanges, mm-hmm. and then that allows Murray and Saxon to exert their influence. And then that allows the wingers come into play. So a lot has to go right mm-hmm. for the ball to
1: get out to Jacob, you know? And probably then going back to this weekend's game, if Ireland are gonna come out on top, we're probably going to have seen two or three tries. Off a set piece because if the game becomes very loose, I mean, as somebody in the office said earlier, well, Ireland couldn't cope with Japan throwing the ball about against them. They're not going to cope with it's New Zealand. Yeah, I understand. Like Japan actually play a very similar style to the all.
0: Blacks. they don't have quite the same, um, quite the same amount of power to go with their precision and their inventiveness. But it's the same sort of tempo. Ideally, I suppose. If you go back to November, like Ireland were very, very good up front and that set the platform for the likes of Jacob's try and it was the defence the forwards that really won that game you know New Zealand have sort of been speaking all week about you know Ireland are very good at what they do and I think they're almost trying to beat Ireland into trying to play in a different way do Mm -hmm. something else all the chat on the New Zealand media was about Jordan Armour should start ahead of Rob Carney if Ireland have any designs that win in the game and like Mm -hmm. I think it's all designed to try and like almost to try and frustrate Ireland so much that they try and play a way that doesn't fit them. Play your own game and beat the opposition that way. Don't try and match, you know, fire with fire, as it were.
1: Interesting, your your piece in today's paper, which I've already told you, I thoroughly enjoyed about just how much New Zealand would would relish getting won over on Ireland after uh, what happened in Dublin last year. And especially on this stage, you've also been at the New Zealand press conferences this week. You used the word "touchiness" in in that article. You're you're obviously sensing that from from the New Zealand side of things.
0: Yeah, I, don't, I just get the impression like I obviously like I've never done a Lions tour or anything like that. And the last time Ireland played New Zealand in the World Cup was '95, so I, like I wouldn't. I would have more much more experience with the New Zealand post-match I've never really followed them around for a week like we have this week you just sort of get the impression that they don't really like talking about other teams or other people you know (laughs) I get the feeling that they are genuinely like that you know and they're probably a bit different this time around because they seem to know more of who the Ireland players are like I mentioned in that article about Jack McGrath getting um, questions that were meant for Rory Ben yesterday previous press conference and how it wasn't that long ago that it felt like they only knew Brian O'Driscoll and Sean O'Brien and nobody else yeah. um, you know, now we've had even the other day, like Sonny Bill Williams talking about
1: Chris Farrell, who's Ireland's like, fourth-choice centre. You never would have got that in the past. What are the conditions like over there, and what are they going to be like during the match? Barely
0: stinking at the minute, so it is. <laughs> and, um, really started raining just just as Jonathan Sexton was doing his um, kicking
1: practice. Uh, it's meant to pretty much tip it down tomorrow. But <laughs> this is zero. not the way Barabest would be delivering this, Jonathan. So, heavy rain forecast for tomorrow is high
0: humidity. <laughs> <laughs> but for those, for those waiting to find out about the weather conditions for the Ireland match, it should clear up by then. We've seen some pretty fantastic wet weather performances from the All Blacks in the past. I don't think it's going to have too mu- or play too much of a factor. The caveat being that in tough conditions during this tournament, Ireland's skills have eroded. They've mm-hmm. made mistakes and then combined in mistakes and more mistakes stays wet or whatever then it's game over because regardless of how you think Ireland are going to do I think everyone's in agreement that they have to be eight and a half nine ten out of ten to win this game
1: prediction time is this going to be another case of talking about Andy Farrell after the game and how uh, amazingly he has uh, scuppered New Zealand once again or can you see New Zealand getting their their revenge um I don't know I've been fourth all
0: week on this Monday. I pretty much thought New Zealand by like 14 in the middle of the week I thought Ireland were talking such a good game that I was swaying towards that now as the game approaches toying with the idea of going back to New Zealand but because I've, I think I've already committed to Ireland so
1: uh,
0: <laughs> in the paper and on other podcasts I think I've committed to Ireland so I might as well just get the stitch
1: hey, the boogies have New Zealand down as 12 point favourites is that a bit a bit generous
0: no I think that's fair I think basically if you were to play this game 10 times I think New Zealand would probably win it 7 times maybe 8 times it's just whether you believe that tomorrow is going to be one of the two times <laughs> where everything comes together for Ireland and there is a big part of me that thinks it is going to be as I say just because they've been so on message and so impressive all week but then you know, that could just be a combination of the fact that best Saxton Earls and Henderson are all very good talkers
1: Jonathan thank you very much enjoy the match tomorrow of course people can follow along with myself and yourself on the live blog during the game and we'll have all the reaction uh, on the website and in uh, Sunday Life and Sunday and Belfast Telegraph on Monday hopefully looking back at Ireland's victory and ahead to Rory Best's next game uh, as Ireland <laughs> You've been listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup's World Cup special brought to you in association with Rima Suomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stogas nationwide.